Well, good morning, everybody. We are in week two of the series, Out of the Shadows. No doubt what has been in the limelight, what has been in the glaring light, day and night, 24 hours a day, over the last 16 to 18 months, has been this global pandemic that we've been navigating. The ups and downs of not only the disease and the virus, but then the uh, other realities that have come into play with the uh, intensity and the lack of clarity and the uncertainty, um, all the other things that have welled up because of the environment and the atmosphere that we've been living in, and a lot of those things have been kept in the shadows. Last week, we said that the average American, one in five Americans, uh, have been going through a emotional or mental health crisis. But since COVID-19, that number has go gone from one to five, one in every five, to one in every two. That's not one in every two of people that you don't know. That's one in two people in the church. That's one in two people in your family. That's one in two people that you love. And these things can kind of stay behind the scenes uh, because it's difficult to sometimes talk about, especially in the church, mental and emotional health. But the church cannot just take a sideline or a back seat or put on the back burner these realities because God created you spirit, soul, and body. We are intricately woven together in the image of God. And these things matter. And for a long time, the church felt like you could only get sick from the neck down. But the truth is, uh, we all have been dealing with emotions and mental strain that may be new to us or stronger than ever before. And as we said last week, to recap, and if you didn't get a chance to join us last week online or at one of our locations, I invite you to go back and get caught up on the podcast or at timbercreekchurch.com. The truth is, emotional and mental health is difficult to talk about because it's just easy to minimize. We minimize it, oh, I'm just not feeling good or, or this or that, and it may be something as simple as you're not you when you're hungry and you need to eat. You're not you when you're tired and you need to sleep. There are biblical prescriptions of having something to eat and taking a nap and enjoying a Sabbath. It could be as simple as that. It could also be over-dramatized where sometimes it's hard to talk about mental and emotional health because everybody's saying, oh, I'm so depressed or I'm just lonely or um, man, I'm just anxious. And there may be elements of that, but there's a, a broad spectrum that many people are, are navigating. So not only is it easy to minimize or over-dramatize, it can be hard to analyze. When you begin to pull out emotional and mental things, they're like smoke from a fire. Um, there's smoke that signal there's something deeper burning, like the Christmas lights that I showed you last week, the jumbled up Christmas lights. There's, uh, when you see that, it can be overwhelming. And so what we like to do is just, just keep it in the box. We gotta pull it out of the shadows and bit by bit, inch by inch, begin to unravel these realities so we can become healthy because healthy people can help other people get healthier. We've also had to deal with the reality that emotional and mental health has been stigmatized by people. We care about you if you, you've got cancer, um, but there's something a little bit of a, a pushback when we deal with a mental illness or emotional illness. We tend to push back on what we don't understand and we have to begin to identify these things. I said it last week, we, we, we can't really deal with what we haven't identified. 
and it's been stigmatized, especially in the church. We, we kind of grew up just saying, pray harder, read the Bible more, and those are two wonderful prescriptions we all should engage in. But, but sometimes what we did is we put a stigma on things that, that needed additional help. In fact, I said it last week, stigma really means disgraced, without grace. What we're trying to do in this season of series, um, as we are still navigating um, a lot of the emotional and physical turmoil of where our culture and country is, um, we want to bring grace and truth to the story. We want to bring grace that covers, grace that it's okay not to be okay, but truth that says God would never want you to stay where you are, he's inviting you to come out of the shadows into a safe place where you can find and follow him, find help. Your issue is not your identity. Not everyone today in this uh, service, wherever you're watching, not everyone goes through the same thing in the same way, but every single one of us is going through something. And so today... Uh, I am broadcasting not only at Nacogdoches and Duncan and Dieball and online, but I'm usually live in the room in Lufkin, but I'm broadcasting in Lufkin as well because today marks 24 years ago that I stood foot, stepped foot on a college campus and said goodbye to my mom and dad. We were very, very close and you're even closer today. And while everybody else was kind of like, let me live my life, it felt like, and everybody's like, woo, freedom! I was weeping in the parking lot like a little baby. My mom and dad snot everywhere. I love you. Later that night, I went to eat at El Chico's with some friends, a whole table, and I'm crying in the salsa. I had to go to the payphone and make a phone. Yes, there were payphones back then, and I had to make a collect call because I'm a college student because, oh, the, 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 the feeling of separation and around people, I... I felt a lot of what we're going to talk about today. As a matter of fact, what we're gonna talk about today is known as the very first bad thing in the world. And did you know that the very first bad thing in the world was not sin? The very first bad thing in the world is actually loneliness. God creates the heaven and earth and the sun and the moon and the stars and the fish in the sea and the deer on the hillside and he creates man in his own image and then he says, wait a second, this is bad. This isn't good for man to be alone. 24 years ago, I stepped into a loneliness that I really hadn't experienced and today, August 29th, I'm stepping back onto that campus, um, and now I'm in the parent seat. And our daughter at the same campus, Southwestern University, um, she's going to be stepping into a new chapter. And it's kind of a grieving thing and a kind of a mourning thing, and there's something <laughs> that feels a little lonely about it. But here's what I do know, that God did not design us to stay lonely. 
But there are going to be times we do feel and are lonely. As we unpack loneliness today, I want to start by giving you some misconceptions. There's some things about loneliness that maybe you've heard or maybe you think that you don't even realize you are, you are believing a, a falsehood. You're believing a misconception. And so one of them, if you're taking notes, I'm gonna give you just, just a few. Number one, loneliness means, it's misconception. It means an absence of people. Like I don't have anybody in my life. I, I don't have people around. I need to go out and meet some friends. Loneliness isn't an absence. Loneliness is not an absence of people. You can be surrounded. You can be single and surrounded by people and be lonely. You can be married and be lonely. You can have kids all over and be lonely. You can can be by yourself and actually not feel alone. So it's not about the absence of people. Loneliness is really the presence of pain. It's the presence of something in your gut that there's a missing, there's a a desire, there's uh, there's a distress in fact, it's not in your notes, but you can jot it down. Here's what loneliness really is. It's, it's the distress felt between, it's in the space between our actual social relationships and the desired social relationships. You can be married and know your spouse, but feel lonely with your spouse because the actual relationship and the desired relationship are separated. And what you feel in the middle is the distress that comes, the pain that you deal with. Henry David Thoreau said it like this, a city is a place where hundreds of people are lonely together. So having people in your life is not necessarily the solution. Having the right people with the right relationship is the key. Loneliness is not an absence of people. Number two, technology is the answer. If I can just get another YouTube account and Facebook and Snapchat and you name it, technology is the answer. And although we are more aware of what's going on in other people's lives on the outside, we are more disconnected. Facebook is an illusion of connection that is absent and empty of true relational equity. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't get to know people through Zoom and you can't get to know people through online dating, eHarmony.com. I mean, you can experience relationship, but, but it's designed to go beyond that because there's just something powerful about having presence with people, that we, we needed Jesus to leave heaven to earth because we need to understand God with us, Emmanuel, and we need a people with us, a friends with us. There's something about seeing people face to face. You don't need a Facebook, you need a face to face. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Like you don't really see everything, it's a reflection in a mirror, Uh, But that's not reality, it's a reflection of reality. Then though, someday he's talking about being with Jesus. Then we shall see face to face. And the reflection, although you can see, there's something that just will never take, a mirror will never take the place of face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. The truth is, you will never be fully known 
with people that you're never face to face. There's something about seeing the wrinkles around their eyes when they smile. There's something about the way they lift the eyebrow when they ask the question. There's, there's something about the thinking beyond the ellipsis, the, the three little that you see when you're getting ready to type a text. It's like you've gotta go way beyond that and, and, and that can give us impatient. That, that's what we're relegating conversations to but when you're face to face, you see the, you see the body language, there's something powerful. Something about being face to face heals us. I can say a lot of things online but I want you to know that conversations face to face have a deeper beauty to them. There's something powerful about personal conversations. There's something powerful about appropriate physical touch. When we're able to high five and shake a hand and, and take someone by the shoulders and say, I'm, I'm proud of you. There's something beautiful about, uh, that, that heals us when we feel the appropriate physical touch of someone. Words of affirmation. Again, there's something palpable about writing a note, there's also something important about being face-to-face and affirming and encouraging and stirring one another up with our words. Technology is the answer? No, it's not. It can be a help and it can be a partner in connecting, but it will never take the place of face-to-face relationships. Number three, if I have enough faith, I won't feel lonely. If I love Jesus enough, I won't ever feel lonely. If I go to church enough, okay, I won't feel lonely. I'm gonna leave that church because I feel lonely, so that church isn't doing their job because I feel alone. You're gonna feel alone no matter what church, what organization. There are seasons and opportunities for you to be lonely, whether there's people around or not, whether they're lifting the name of Jesus or they're selling widgets online, there's gonna be opportunity for you to be in an atmosphere where you feel lonely, and it has nothing to do with your faith. How do I know this? Because Jesus himself the light of the world that came down into darkness to bring everything out of the shadows, he dealt with loneliness. He was the embodiment of faith, the embodiment of the divine nature of God because he was God, is God, and he felt lonely. John 1, the author, describes Jesus and he says, Jesus was in the world, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Didn't even recognize him. Could you imagine understanding who you are and the relationship you have and them not even recognizing who you are? He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That would be like me coming home after, after a few weeks of being gone from my family at, at a function or speaking or doing whatever. And, and I come home and say, Daddy's home. And I drop the suitcase and, and my kids run through the hall and they say, Daddy. But instead of hugging me, they punch me in the gut. They say, we don't want you here. Like that would, that would truly be a punch to the gut. And yet this is what Jesus experienced. Even though he was surrounded by crowds, most of his ministry, 
felt lonely. So what did he do? He would go and be with his father because he knew the perfection that he had with his father. He knew the perfect um, uh, receiving of him and the, the full love that God himself, when Jesus was baptized, this is my son who I love and who I am well pleased. And there were times where Jesus surrounded by people, needed to get with someone that he knew had his best interest at heart, even though it was gonna be tough, and that was his own heavenly father. Notice something. Notice that it wasn't the kiss of betrayal that made Jesus cry out. It was not the crown of thorns that made Jesus cry out and, and kind of break down. It wasn't the mocking or the beating or the flogging. It was not the nails through his wrists and through his feet. It wasn't until he cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you left me alone? Why have you forsaken me? Can I explain something to you today? There is unbelievable pain at the cross. The word excruciating comes from the same word of crucifixion. There's unbelievable pain Jesus went through, but I can tell you that it wasn't the physical pain that truly paid for your sins. It was part of it. But what really is the beauty and the depth of the cross is the absolute separation and forsakenness that Jesus experienced. The lifting of the hand of his own father. He had never known what it was like to be alone, but he was completely alone in that moment. Why? So that you would never have to truly be completely alone ever again. Jesus understands what it's like to be lonely. He navigated the loneliness. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, could you not pray with me an hour? He felt lonely. He dealt with it. And I want you to not stay in the shadows if you feel lonely from every once in a while to maybe it's something that's becoming crippling to you where you now won't get uh, you, you wish you could just get rid of it. Like, how do I get rid of the loneliness? And Jesus is saying, you're probably not gonna just like live without loneliness because Jesus didn't live without it. The question is, how do I navigate it? How do I navigate that pain, the distress between the actual relationship and the desired relationship? Because that pain in the middle, you know how that pain is caused? It's, be, it's caused because there were times where you had a relationship and maybe there was a hurt. And now, now you, you won't uh, put yourself out there anymore. And you're lonely because you were hurt. And you're like, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna trust a man again. I'm never gonna trust a person again. I'm never, I'm not gonna be vulnerable anymore. And you've locked yourself up. And that loneliness is smoke from a deeper fire. It's the, it's the pain of the hurt. It's the pain of the rejection. I put myself out there, what will happen? And you're dealing with this pain and it's causing the smoke of loneliness and, and, and God knows, Jesus knows. How do we navigate it? Well, Ecclesiastes, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote these thoughts. He said, there was a man all alone. Maybe that's you. He had neither son nor brother. There was no close connections. 
there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So he's all alone by himself, but he's busy. He's by himself, but he's not twiddling his thumbs. He's unbelievably focused and busy. There was no end to his toil. He was a go-getter. He could have been a workaholic. And maybe for you, you're lonely. You feel alone, but there's no end of your toil. So it is uh, chasing after this and chasing after that. And you, you, you may be building yourself, keeping yourself busy. That's obviously not the answer. His eyes were not content with his wealth the money won't make, won't feel the gap of the loneliness. And he asks himself this question, for whom am I toiling? What am I doing with all this? Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Now, I want to show you something important here. He was part of the cause of his own loneliness. Many times and quite often, We are waiting for the solution of our loneliness to come from somebody else, that somebody else would reach out, that somebody else would um, notice us, that somebody else would, you know, like your your picture on eHarmony or, you know, christianfarmers.com or whatever it is, Um, easttexashunters.com. I'm ready to field dress a deer with you right now, my dear. Anyway, so why am I depriving myself He had to take ownership of where he was. And here's how he takes ownership. He realizes, oh, yeah, I get it. Two are better than one (laughs) because they have a good return for their labor. There's something of the investment in being together that yields a strong return. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. There's something, something about knowing that if I fall because you are going to fall. If either of them falls down, one of them or both of them, a time or two or 12 is going to fall down. They are, you are going to fall down. What a shame it would be if you had no one to help you up. And this is the Mr. T verse, but pity the fool, but I pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Hey, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. There's strength, there's investment, there's fruit. Write it down somewhere in your notes. There's multiplied power and progress in real relationships. There's multiplied power and progress and you are pushing back on a relationship because a relationship hurt you. But listen, if you ever poured boiling water on your leg and it hurt you, you wouldn't say, forget water. What has water ever done for me? I'm not gonna get around water. I know people that all watery, watery this and watery that. No, 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 no. Water is essential to life. God says relationships are like water. It is bad for man to be by themselves. It's not good for man to be alone. When we're together, we can multiply the power and the progress in our relationships. The truth is your relationships kind of navigate around four corners of your world. There are four corners of your relational world. We're gonna go quickly through these. Um, these, are, uh, these, these are thoughts that, that, places where you live, corners of your life um, and you'll see them and you know them. 
uh, you'll, you'll see how we interact in different ways depending upon the corner of the world we're living in or the people we're around. The first corner is this. It's the arena, the Colosseum, the auditoriums. It's, it's the cubicles, it's the break room, it's the arena where, where, where uh, people are around you. And you have people in your life known as the arena of your life, and here's what's going on there. I know what's going on in my life, and you know what's going on in my life. Because we see each other, we're around each other, we talk to each other around the water cooler. It's the arena of life. I know, and you know. Now, that can be unbelievably surfacy. How's the weather, Dave? <laughs> you know the weather. It changes, blah, blah, blah. How's it going? Oh, fine. How you doing? Fine. How you doing? Fine. Uh, hey, like that stuff is so surfacy arena stuff. Now, we need arena. We need the stuff that's just kind of the starting point. You don't, you don't just dive in to like, what's your dream of your life that you have in a comp? Like, like there's gotta be some, some progress into deeper relationships, but it starts in the arena. But unfortunately, this is all the Christianity and all the relationship that a lot of people have. A lot of people in our rooms today, you, you have the arena of Timber Creek. You have the, the auditorium of Timber Creek. But you haven't taken the next step to let yourself out there and get vulnerable and be a part of a smaller group. And what, 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 needs to ha what happens, tends to happen when we're just in the arena is we put on a front that's not really who we are. You know a portion of me and I know a portion of you, but you don't really know me and I don't really know you. This was the struggle with the Pharisees that Jesus had to confront. He said it like this in Matthew 5. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. A phylactery was a, a leather box that would be on a band, like a sweat band, and it would sit on the forehead of the Pharisees. And inside this box, I kid you not, it's like a forehead fanny pack. Uh, it was a forehead fanny pack for the scriptures. And they would put different scriptures about tying them to your neck and stuff like that, like uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And they would put the phylacteries and they would get bigger and bigger and bigger. Could you imagine? They're just like walking around with these which to show people, oh, I've, I'm following the Bible. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbors yourself. It's right here in the phylactery box and the garments, the tassels that represented certain spiritual realities. Those would get long and those would drag in the dust, but, but they didn't really have the depth of relationship, they, they had the, the surfacy phylacteries of stuff. And I wonder if, if maybe all you're getting from Jesus is all you're investing and it's just in the arena. God's inviting us to go deeper. There, there's just some things you won't know about Jesus until you're with other people who know Jesus, the arena. The next one is the mask. We know this one all too well over the last 16 months. And the mask is, is the, the area of my life where I know, but you don't know. I know some stuff in my life you don't know. Can I tell you? There's some things I know about me that you don't know. And guess what? You ain't gonna know. <laughs> like, you ain't. You're not gonna know it. But everything in my life, that is an issue in my life, somebody needs to know it. Somebody needs to know it. 
See, the truth is secrets have power. And, and I will stay as sick as my secrets. And whether it's a close confidant or a counselor, a spouse or a friend, a coach, a teacher, a pastor, it's not that everybody has to know you. In fact, that shouldn't be the case. But my question for you is, do you have somebody that you can talk to about everything? Jesus is inviting us <clears throat> to be able to bring him everything. You can talk to Jesus and he'll forgive you of everything. But then the book of James says, confess your sins one to another that you might have healing. There's forgiveness and healing from Jesus is forgiveness from healing with people that will walk with you and be with you and carry your burden as you deal with the stuff that nobody else sees. We gotta kinda de-mask. And when we do that, when we do it with the wrong people, we may get burned and it's the distress. When we do it with the right people, it's like what Paul says in Colossians 4, Epaphras is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus. He sends his greetings. He's saying, hey, what's up? He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you'd stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. If you're wearing a mask today, I invite you. We will help you. We wanna be a resource. We wanna be the conduit to help you with a resource on who you might talk to from one of our pastors. And I'll say it like this. Look, <clears throat> we will give you some biblical coaching. We will listen to you. But, but we, we can't be a full-time counseling center. There's just way too many going on. But we will be a resource for you because you, you need, I wanna break the stigma of counseling. If your kid's got asthma, you get them an inhaler. Some of you, you've got mental asthma. and You need to talk with someone who can help you. I would encourage you to talk to someone from a biblical perspective so that you get good wisdom from the moral compass of life, the word of God. But people that will wrestle in prayer with you, we all need that. The arena, the mask, the blind spot, uh-oh, we all got blind spots. I got a big old one, 100% blind in my left eye. Like this whole, whole side of the broadcast location is in my blind spot right now. And the blind spot is, I don't know, <laughs> but you do know. So there are things that I say and things that I do and stuff that I've said that I don't even realize what I said, but you do. And, and if I have relationship with you, you should have the right to be able to come to me and say, hey, man, the way that came across was a little like sour. Or when you're walking and you got that face of determination, it looks like you're really, really mad. And so a friend of mine put a picture, took a picture of me the other day when I was listening to my administrative assistant give me some information. And when I looked at it, I looked upset. Here, here's the picture. Here's what I was thinking in my mind. That's really good stuff. That's really good stuff. Here's the face that I gave. Like my body, my, my, my brain wasn't telling my body what to look like when I was getting good information. And you need people that will tell you your blind spots. You know, you got blind spots. You also got deaf spots, things that you just don't hear that someone needs to speak into your life. You, you, you got dumb spots where somebody needs to say, that was dumb. Let someone else pay your dumb tax. The only way to do that is get someone in your life that will talk to you. You got hot spots, things that like you wanna itch at and get you all hot and bothered and bothered and hot. 
Someone needs to be able to come. Look, look, Proverbs 27, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That doesn't mean every friend is gonna wound you or stab you in the back. It means a friend that really loves you is willing to reach in and talk to your blind spot and it may go, ow, ooh, that hurt. And they may wound you like a surgeon who sees the cancer and says the only way to fix it is I gotta hurt you to heal you. Friends that are faithful with their wounding of you and then walking with you to heal, that, don't, don't, that's what we need in friendship. Look, 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 look what the author of Proverbs 27 says right after that. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Be careful about everybody sucking up to you on Facebook. Like you are, we are addicted to the likes and the comments. Everybody, like everybody's got a, ooh, oh, gorgeous. Like, oh, your babies are so beautiful. I mean, okay, maybe. <laughs> it's a joke. All of them, all of the Timber Creek babies are beautiful. I was gonna tell you right now. There are some in other places. No, I'm kidding, ish. What I'm saying to you is you need people that will talk real to you. Hebrews 3, the author says, see to it, get to it, be about it brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See, that's not just Jesus' responsibility, that we would encourage one another. There's a fourth corner of your life. It's the potential. (laughs) It's the potential. And potential, the truth is, I don't know. And you don't know. You don't know all my potential, and I don't know all your potential. But as iron sharpens iron, as we encourage one another, as we walk with one another and carry one another's burdens, we get to see glimpses of, oh, we could go further than we thought because we're together, because one that stands alone is easily conquered, but two together they, 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 can, they can win a third strand. A, a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You and friendship and the Holy Spirit, like there's something powerful in the potential. Do not speak to all the problems in people. Speak to the potential in people. Paul says, hey, the whole body supported, speaking to the potential, held together by its ligaments and sinews, It grows as God causes it to grow. If you were a small child and you, it's terrible, like horrible illustration, but if if you got a hand cut off when you were a kid, the rest of your body would grow, but what was disconnected would shrivel up and die. Just because you grow older doesn't mean you're growing spiritually. Just because you grow older doesn't mean you're growing relationally. You gotta be connected. So as we conclude today, how do we step out of the shadows of loneliness? Because if you're gonna, part of staying in the shadows is maybe I feel comfortable unseen. Maybe I'm comfortable with the shadows. If I get into the light, what's gonna be exposed? What am I gonna have to do? What kind of responsibilities am I gonna have to take? And wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be nice to be able to step out of the shadows and into a place uh, of, of freedom and into a place of safety and in a, into a place of, of health? You know, one of the most, most popular sitcoms on television when I was growing up was a sitcom that I wasn't allowed to watch. It was a, it was a sitcom that was uh, uh, situated around a, a bar in Boston, 
Growing up in a pastor's home, you, I mean, we, we barely could even go to Applebee's, you know, let alone watch Cheers. And Cheers had some iconic characters. It's still in syndication. And you may not know many episodes and you may not even have watched it a lot, but chances are many of us, regardless of our generation, you probably heard the song. But listen, the words of the intro to that sitcom, the words of the intro, it's about a bar. But, but I want it to be about Timber Creek. I, I want the intro video, uh, the intro song of Cheers to be like about Timber Creek. Like, look, at, look at the words of the, of the intro. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. <laughs> like, hello, 2021. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. It would be, it'd be nice to be able to come and find a spot where someone else could help me carry my worries. I mean, the song goes on to say, like, wouldn't you like to get away? Come on, Lufkin, Nagadoches, everybody online, sing it. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Give yourselves a hand, everybody. Yes, very nice. Did we just sing a bar song in church? Yeah, Martin Luther changed a lot of bar song tunes too. Look it up. Anyway, at Timber Creek, you actually might have the, the wrong understanding, a misconception. Because um, the truth is, you wanna go where everybody knows your name, but at Timber Creek, nobody will know everybody. Because we care about heaven and lost people, the church will continue to grow. This is the smallest we will ever be. We're continuing to grow. But because we care about you, we want the church to grow smaller too. We grow larger because heaven and hell are a reality. Souls matter deeply to God. We wanna grow smaller because you matter. Nobody will know everybody, but everybody can know somebody. Everybody can know somebody. And here's what you do. Four things, I'm inviting you to just step a couple of steps out of the shadows, a couple of steps just, just to either engage or re-engage, either wake up or, or, or get busy, either pull the thing out of neutral. The apostle Paul in the book of Thessalonians says, my brothers urge those that are idle. And for some of you, you used to have relationships, but you've thrown it in neutral. You've gone idle. And if you're not careful, you say, well, the church isn't doing this. And I want you to know, no great friendship is ever ever forced. No great relationship is ever forced. That's why Jesus himself will never force you into a relationship. It is your choice. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So what do you got to do? Here's what you can't do. 
You cannot leave it in the hands of the church to be your mommy and make sure that you meet new friends on the playground. We will provide the playground. We will provide the picnic baskets. We will provide the food truck Sundays. We will provide the groups and the starting point and the dream teams. We will provide connection moments. But you have to, number one, own your part. You got to own your part. Take ownership. Show up a little early. Ask some people questions. Listen, there are people that you live life like this. You walk into a room and you say, here I am. Will anybody notice me? I'm inviting you to step out of the shadows and with the grace that comes from God and the confidence that comes from Jesus that he, he wants you connected. That you wouldn't walk into rooms and say, here I am. Will anybody notice me? But you would walk into a room and say, there you are. I notice you. Oh, man, that changed a lot of atmospheres. That changed a lot of rooms. Second Corinthians, Paul is telling about trouble that they were in. We came into Macedonia into a new place and we had no rest. We were harassed at every turn. <laughs> Conflicts on the outside, fears within. Does that not describe the state of the union? Restless, harassed on every side. You vaxxed, you got vaccinated, I can't believe da-da-da. You didn't get vaccinated, I can't believe da-da-da. You're for that, I can't believe. You're not for that, I can't believe. People are more passionate about their causes than connections. They're using, they're using friendships to sell their ideas versus friendships to carry one another's burdens. Paul understood they felt restless, harassed, conflicts everywhere, and fears welling up within them. But Paul gives us something. He says, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by, by what? By giving absolute clarity to all of the heartache and the conflict around them, by shutting down all the conflict, by saying, this is the absolute thing that you must do in the middle of this pandemic. Did God give them a three-step process? Did God show them a scripture about vaccinated or not vaccinated? Did, did, God, did God come in and like make every, all the enemies go away? What did God do? God comforted the downcast by the coming of Titus. By bringing a friend. And I can say that some of you, you're, you're waiting for a Titus. And I believe help is on the way. Titus is on the way. But others of you, you are the Titus that someone's praying over in the middle of this crazy world we're living in. So don't only just own your part. Be the person you wish you had. Be the person you wish you had. And then these last two are unbelievably deeply theological. It may take a little bit of time for you to work out the intricacies of the theology behind these, but I'm gonna give them to you anyway. And if you need me to unpack them later, you can join me on Facebook and I'll do a Facebook Live if you need clarification. But the truth is, get in a group and get on a team. Get in a group and get on a team. Not because we need we need volunteers. 
because you are needed and we want you to be known. I want everybody in this church to have a certain level that they're willing to go to and do the work to get there. That everybody at the level of their comfort, at the level of their own, own pushing forward, that everybody would feel needed and known. And you know how you feel needed and known? You get on a team to feel needed. You get in a group to feel known. Ultimately though, you may be here at one of our locations and the loneliness you feel, the emptiness you feel, you may be attaching it to friendships and other things, but it may be because that you've been expecting those things to fill you up. Every single one of us did not have a friendship-shaped hole in our heart. We have a Jesus-shaped hole in our heart. And you can try and put all kinds of other things in there. But it all starts with Jesus. He knows what it's like to be completely alone so that you never have to be. Maybe today you need to, for the first time, invite Jesus to be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Maybe for the first time in a while you need to say, Jesus, I... I'm gonna trust you in the middle of my loneliness. You know that Jan and I are having to do that? It's hard to see your daughter go off to college when you have such a tight relationship. But I know that if she keeps her hand in the hand of Jesus, no matter what she experiences that I can or cannot control, She'll never, ever, ever be alone. And neither will you. Would you pray with me this morning, all locations, just close your eyes. Jesus comes to you first. He's the person you wish you had. (laughs) So Jesus, we lean into you today. And if you're inviting him to be the Lord and savior of your life, maybe you just say these words, Jesus, I surrender to you. I bring all my stuff out out of the shadows, my sin that separates me from you, the stuff that makes me wanna be in control and and put you on the back burner. I, I give you control today, be the Lord of my life. For those of you that are with us, you feel lonely, you are lonely. Levels of loneliness are different may I pray over you. Father, I pray that there would be the coming of Titus. I pray that there would be the iron that sharpens iron. I I pray that there would be the faithful wound of a friend. I I, I pray that they would own their part. I I, I pray that that there would be a step forward to to, to step out there and and bite the bottom lip and and even deal with a certain level of, of fear and intimidation to step out and see what you have Next, God, I pray that, that they would know that no matter what has happened with family or friends, relatives or associates in the middle of a, a very isolated world right now, that they would know that you have never wanted them isolated from you and that you are there and you are closer than a brother, the best brother we could ever hope for. You are closer than that. 
We thank you that you will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And your grace today is new. And it'll be new tomorrow. We give you these things. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen.